Wow, what a wonderful time of worship. Oh, uh, it reminds me of a book that I can never put down, the fantastic story of the Hebridean revival. You know I keep banging on about it, but there's a, there's a little uh, cameo written by a lady called Margaret MacLeod, and I always want to go into my Mrs. Doubtfire accent here. Well, now then, children, we're now going to talk in a Scottish accent. And she, say, <laughs> she says in one of her little um, descriptions of what it was like to live through revival. The singing was everything. And I felt that again this morning, that once we, once we have the Holy Spirit on us, somehow singing goes to another level. And there's something very supernatural and electric about it. And uh, in her, in her uh, reminiscence, she says, I was privileged to be there. People don't understand what it's like to be in revival. You know, the Holy Spirit is there. God's presence is everywhere. It's a thrilling thing. And it's one of the, you know, it's only 70 years ago, one of the closest times when these beautiful islands had the power of the Holy Spirit on them and the Hebrides of all places. And we are privileged to be here this morning because we are doing this. We are doing what we love. And what we love, one of our great values in this church is generosity. I absolutely love talking about this subject because it's one of my, one of my favourite things to talk about because generosity is really the heart of Jesus. I just want to talk about Jesus, really. But we've been singing it all morning. It's his generous heart. Don't you feel it this morning? His lavish love, all those crazy out there words that you see in the Bible, you know, inexhaustible, inexpressible, indescribable, never ending, infinity, beyond measure, pressed down, overflowing, those sort of words. That's the heart of love from the Father to us. And somehow when you get that understanding the generous nature of God, he's not a penny pincher, he's not mean-minded, he's, he's a, a wonderful, lavish father. I'm a pop's. All right, Pops is a granddad, that's who I'm called. I have 11 of the little darlings, and um, <laughs> I call them droid, droids. They're like R2-D2, you know, in Star Wars, he comes and get, get, all under my feet, right, these 11 droids. So we went up to visit my, my droids and my, my son and daughter-in-law up in Derby recently, and um, I can't help but be generous, and I do all the wrong things as Pops. Just put your hand up if you're a grandparent. Yep, you know what's coming now, don't you? So my son rolls his eyes because I, I come with a big bag of stuff and uh, the kids, all three of them, are grinning at the front door. And they know what's going to happen next and I, I pretend I've got nothing for them. And they, they know I'm playing a game with them. So I go in and we go into the kitchen. I put this big bag on the table and I say, this is all for your mum and dad. Right? And then I bring out 12 Krispy Kreme. And then my son rolls his eyes. I say, dad, have you ever heard of the word dentist? Okay. But I don't care. I give them all the rubbish to eat and they love it. Because I've got something of the spirit of Christ in me. And I don't care. I'm going to spoil them rotten just like your father in heaven wants to spoil you rotten. And we need to learn what the teaching in the New Testament is about generosity. It's, this is not a talk on we want your money. But actually what we're doing today is we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And those giants are people who were here in 1988. Was it Ratton School? It's before my... Actually, I, I came with a video camera from Hastings in 1988 before I went up north to Darlington and I filmed those early days in the Ratton School. Just please put your hand up if you were here in 1988. Yes, look around the room, there are a few. 
Well done, faithful servants. Well done. <laughs> well done. Come on, let's give them a... They're still here. Come on. And then, and then with Don and the gang, you came to this place. And this was called the 60%. And through that wall there was 40% of the building. You didn't have the money to do that. But you came in, and I think, if I'm right, keep me right here, that Don wasn't sure, should we buy this building? I'm not sure. And he did a very good thing. He said, come on, let's gather together. And there were about 200, keep me right, I'd gone by this point. I came back later, but I was gone. He said, 200 of us, what do you think, church? And you all said, yeah, come on, let's buy this building. You and I are standing on the shoulders of giants of generosity. And you lived with a mortgage. And then there came a day when you had an astonishing gift day when you paid off the mortgage. It was a huge sum of money, and we did it. And now, here we are with a building, and when you drive around the roundabout, you see a certain, um, how can I call it, the faint colour of green on the building, <laughs> which is, I believe the word is algae, I don't know. But <laughs> and uh, we've got a roof that leaks, you know, and windows that fall in, and this is a biscuit tin. And it was never built for that many years. And, and yet what we've got is the chance to say there's a second generation coming. So we're nearly 40 years old as a church. 2028 will be 40 years. And we feel as a leadership, and you feel it in your bones, don't you, that we've hardly started to affect the borough and beyond and globally. And what we love is the generous heart that began here, which will carry on into the future. So I say I'm privileged to be here today because God's got hold of my heart. And I just want to bring you some scriptures that, where you understand why those cards are on the seats today. It's because we have the opportunity to bless that next generation. So we're going to be standing on the shoulders of giants and your kids are going to be standing on the shoulders of shoulders of giants, and your kids' kids are going to be standing on the shoulders of shoulders of shoulders of giants, and so it goes on. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And you and I are caught up in this. And I want, I want to be free when it comes to money, and I don't want to be stupid about it. I want to understand what Paul and the New Testament teaches about it, because you can get a bit you can get a bit hung up about my tithing and my giving. What's, what's the Bible got to say to me about it? So, shall we look at the first slide, if we can? So, it should be 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. So, I'm reading in the ESV. And um, here, Paul is teaching the Corinthian church, but it can be applied to all churches and he's giving us a little nugget of something very special here in these first couple of verses. So he says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given amongst the churches in Macedonia. For in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, affliction, joy, and their extreme poverty have overflowed. Poverty, overflow, in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave... According to their means, that's a clue, according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, as of their own accord, no one's pushing them, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. That's the clue. 
So the very first thing we want to say to each other is this, that you're giving to Jesus. You're giving to God. And in other words, you've been so affected by his love. You've been so knocked out by his grace. You've been so knocked out by those songs we sung about, you know, sins over and dealt with. No more looking over your shoulder at your past. You are released from guilt and sin. The greatest sin you've ever committed is washed clean by the blood of Jesus. You are free to run in grace without fear of punishment. And the Father's smiling faces on him. When you get that, you start to feel really free inside. So somehow you just want to say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. I belong to you. I've given myself first to you. If you get what I'm talking about here, you will know that it affects every area of your life because you're free. You can look at everything you've got, everything you own, everything you earn, everything you are, every gift and talent God's put into you, everything in your life is somehow in the orbit of God's grace. You are free at last from the worry about yourself, the concern about how am I going to make it through life. I'm now more me than I've ever been before. And so now I can start really being free to give without worrying about my future. Oh, thank you, God, for releasing me from fear. Fear of financial suicide, fear of failure, fear of looking stupid in front of other people, fear of being rejected, fear of loneliness, fear of you're with me. Until that day on my last day when I breathe my last breath, I'll feel your hand pulling me into eternity. And you will say over me, because you want to say this over me, well done, my good and faithful servant. He wants to say that over you. It's not just for the few. He's longing to say that over you. Well done, my faithful servant. And so there's, there's a little cue, a clue there. We've, we're giving to God first. And somehow, don't put... The cart before the horse. Don't give out of reluctance and compulsion because actually it's about the heart set free first and foremost. Okay, let's look at the next slide. This is 1 Corinthians 16. Paul gets practical. And I love what he does. Now, you've got to think this through with me. Paul, Pharisee. He's an eighth dayer. In other words, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin. In regard to the law, faultless. We've got a serious guy who obeys the Jewish laws here until he's on his way to Damascus to persecute the church and suddenly the light from heaven comes. He falls on the floor and everything changes because he meets Jesus and he suddenly realises he's been wrong all the way through about Jesus. He's been right in his faith that he worships the God of Israel. So in one sense, the religion hasn't changed, if I can put it that way. He's just met the true religion. He's met what Israel was all about, meeting the Son of God, Jesus, who came to his people. And then everything changes. This is the axis of history. This is the pivotal moment in history when suddenly you can hear the crunching of gears where Judaism is beginning to change to become the fulfilment of Judaism, which is the Son of God amongst his people. And now Christians, Jews and Gentiles, across the world are going to live in a new way. And that new way is not under law. This is now the new covenant. And so Paul is preaching new covenant theology. He doesn't go back to tithing. He talks about giving. Now, let me just head you off at the pass because tithing 
was a law in the Old Testament, and it transfers across, not as a law, but as a beautiful principle. But you are free from the law. You have died to the law because there is now a new covenant in Jesus' blood which does away with the old law. So you've got to think through your, your attitude to tithing and giving. So in this church, we teach giving because you're not under law. If you're under law, you've got to start thinking about what you eat. The dietary requirements. You've got to be thinking about what you wear. You've got to start thinking about new moons and Sabbaths and things like that. And you have died to the law. Do you believe me? And yet the law will never pass away. Do I want my cake and eat it? Yes, I do. Because Jesus said, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will find yourself naturally wanting to obey God's holy laws of loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbour as yourself. It's from within it's meant to come up, not external pressure. That's the preciousness of what we believe. You're free. You're free from the law. So look at this with me. 1 Corinthians 16. Now, says Paul... Concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, very sensible, so they can budget, so they kind of know what's coming in regularly. Budgeting's important for this sophisticated enterprise called King's Church Eastbourne. We need budgets. We need to kind of roughly know what's coming in. And uh, he says this, each of you is to put, a, put something aside and store it up. Here's an interesting phrase, as he may prosper. In other words, in keeping with your income, other translations have. Hang on a minute, he should have said, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put 10% aside. Now, if I said that to Bill Gates, he could put 99% aside and still live quite comfortably. In other words, suddenly we've got new teaching. Suddenly we're not talking about tithing. We're talking about it's up to you. This is an adventure of faith. Why is it an adventure of faith? Because from now on, everything is by faith in Jesus. The day you die, it's a, still a faith adventure. Lord, receive my spirit. Everything is by faith, using spiritual gifts. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to prophesy, just like Andy prophesied beautifully earlier. You probably your heart was thumping still. You knew the first few lines... And away you went. It was by faith. Giving our money is by faith, but it's now in a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to talk to Jesus about my giving. I'm going to sit down now. If I'm married, I'm going to sit down with my wife, or I'm going to sit down with my husband, if I'm a woman, and I'm going to say, so come on, let's talk this through. I'm not under law. Okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we love you. Here's all our money. Lord, here's my wallet. Here's my purse. Let's look at the budget. Okay, in keeping with my income, as I may prosper. Am I prospering? Okay, Lord, we're prospering at the moment. So, Lord, we want to give sacrificially. I don't want to give anything that didn't cost me anything. When I look at the cross, I don't want to be penny-pinching. When I come to King's Church and I see the good that this church has been doing for 30 whatever it is years and all that lies ahead, the way we're going to impact the borough and beyond, the way we're blessing the Berlin church plant, the way we love Eastbourne. Do you remember last time we had a gift day? We raised about £100,000, was it? And we said we're going to give away half of that. We gave away about £50,000, if I'm not... That was wonderful, wasn't it? This time, we're saying we're looking ahead to the second generation. This time, 
We're putting all into the future. This is thrilling. And I get to play my part in that, and so do you. And our next generation will be standing on the shoulders of you giants as we give sacrificially. Isn't it interesting the way Paul teaches? So, in keeping with your income, or as he may prosper, so that when I come, there will be, that when I, there'll be no collecting when I come. And as if to ram the point home, let's look at the next slide, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Very familiar, but some of you might feel a little bit, I've lived under the cosh with these scriptures, especially that line, God loves a cheerful giver. How many meetings have you been to in the past where they've got some great big gathering and they get some celebrity person to come and stand up on the stage and to warm up the crowd before the baskets go round? Have you been to those meetings? You think, oh no, here we go, the warm-up act and making me feel guilty, you know, because God loves <laughs> a cheerful giver, you want my money. No, that's not the context of this beautiful teaching. Let's look at it again. Here we go. He says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's for everyone. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus to know that's going to work for your life. So this is for people who, if they practice generosity, they're going to find it comes back at them. It's a universal principle. It's there built into planet Earth that if you're a giver, you're going to get back. In one sense, it transcends what I want to talk to you. So it's your neighbour who's not a Christian. If he's a giver, he's going to find himself blessed. And so Paul is teaching that there is this universal principle. If you give, you're going to get, give back. You're going to get back. You will, uh, whoever sows bountifully, I love these words, will also reap bountifully. Each one, now here it is, each one must give 10%. Oh, hang on a minute. He doesn't say that. This is the Hebrew of Hebrews. What's he doing? He understands grace. He's got it. He's free from the law. And that sets his heart more free than anything the law could ever do. All the law will do is say to you, I'm your policeman. I use words, says the policeman, like should, must, ought. Well, you're free of all that. You're free to run in faith and be a little bit reckless with your life. And as we heard yesterday when Goff and Angie were talking, it's time to waste your life. I'm going to waste my life. I'm going to go a little bit reckless. I'm not going to commit financial suicide. If I'm a father and a mother, I'm not going to feed my kids. I've got to be sensible about this. There'll be times when I won't have much and there'll be times when I'll have plenty. So what have I got to do? Paul, tell me. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Your heart's the key to all this. Your heart's everything. How free are you today? The only way you're going to be free in your heart is if you're loved. Love heals you. Love heals you. It heals your heart. I can take paracetamol. But love really heals me. And once I'm healed, I'm free. I'm more free to be me than I've ever been before. I love being me because I don't need to keep looking over my shoulder. I've got a correct assessment of myself. My heart's not too haughty. I've understood grace. I could just be me. So here I am. Lord, I want to give. It's beautiful. And he says this, not reluctantly. So no pastor comes and tells you, you must 
you must tithe this or that. No, no one's got an arm up your back. We elders don't know what you give. We don't want to know. We don't want to in any way be affected by that. The people who do the finances, and the, and the, only very, very few of those, they, will, they have to know. I don't know. And that's liberating for us because we love you all without reserve. So not reluctantly is very important. So you shouldn't be reluctant about giving. No one's telling you what to do. There are so many stories, aren't there? I mean, I've heard since I've been away and come back, so many stories about, ah, oh, Kings, it's secretly funded by the Americans, you know, with a part, you know, some kind of thing going on where you've got some, you know, sugar daddy somewhere who's kind of putting a whole load of money into it. No, this is totally self-funded stuff. If we crash and burn, it's because we're not giving. It's as simple as that. We're, 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 we're it. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? This is an adventure. So when God gets hold of your heart, you suddenly find that that's so right because I don't want to live under the law. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be under compulsion. I want to be free to decide. So when I sit down with my wife or you sit down with your husband and if you're single, you know, you, you're, you're there before God and you're saying, so Lord, <laughs> let's talk. Uh, you know, Gillian, what, what, what should we do? What should we do? So we sat down and talked together about this gift day. And we, we came to a, a, a good, generous and sacrificial conclusion together. We were of one mind. We are of one heart. And you must get to that place of one mind, one heart if, you're, if you are married. It's no good one running ahead of the other and it causing difficulty in the marriage. You've got to be a, a together of one heart. And if you're, if you're on your own, you know, look, <laughs> look after yourself. There might not be two salaries going in, but at the same time, let's all of us, single or married, keep that spirit of generosity. I love the way Paul talks, and, he, and then he gives this blessing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, at, at, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? You may abound in every good work. As it is written, he's distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Oh gosh, that's our captain, Jesus. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now I'm not going to say, so if you tithe, you'll get blessed. I'm not going to put an arm up your back. I'm not going to tell you, 10%. I will say this about this beautiful principle of tithing. So I'm going to give you a balanced talk here, okay? 10% I think is a sensible amount because I think I can live on 90% of my income. So I need to be good with my family. If I've got lots of mouths to, sp- to feed, I must make sure that I'm not, quote, worse than an infidel. He doesn't look after his family. So I've got responsibilities at home and there are often bills that come in that I've got to deal with. But I think that around 10% for most of us is a sensible principle. But as soon as I say that to you, you'll think, oh, he's saying give 10%. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm just saying it's a lovely principle. You've got, now here we go, you've got to, can I say this respectfully, you've got to grow up. Because only grace will grow you up. The law won't grow you up. And what I love about Paul's teaching in the New Testament is this, he's expecting to talk to reasonable people. He's saying things like, you judge for yourselves. So in other words, he's saying, you're adults, you decide. You are free. 
And I, I mean, one of the most dangerous things I could say is this, your salvation's free, so therefore it logically applies that then you don't need to give anything to be part of this place. However, this is where your kids are getting blessed out of their socks. We had an outstanding conference here yesterday with Goff and Angie and Tim and Judy and others. We had an amazing time, didn't we, if you were here yesterday? We were rocking the casbah. We were, we were really going for it. And we've got so many things to do for this next generation. We need the money. And what I love about what I've got to talk about today is this is clean. This is sensible asking for money. We're not asking for money to go off to, um, you know, to Hawaii for a, you know, a little break, a sabbatical. We're saying, let's make this building future-proofed. Let's do it for the next generation coming. And this is a beautiful way of giving our money so that you know I was part of that. When you go around the old buildings in Eastbourne and you see those foundation stones with those cute old names like, oh, I've got to be careful, there might be someone called Doris here. Right? <laughs> and Doris and Sydney, you know, gave, there is a Sid here. Come on, Frieda and Sid, where are you? Are you here today? Right, you know those names. We gave, like it was 1898, Cornerstone goes into this building. Now, you're going to do that too. We're going to put uh, solar panels on the roof so that where electricity bills go right down. We're going to clean that delicate hue of algae. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... Help me, Ollie, help me. Right, we're, we are... You may like that colour. I don't know. Is it doing something for you? I don't know. Every time you go around the roundabout, you're kind of... oh. Gosh, you know, Dunelm have done their thing and cost has just turned up and then there's us, you know. But we're going we're gonna to sort the roof out. We're going to sort the cladding. We're going to make this building hum with activity for the next 40 years and beyond. Amen? And so therefore, this is a clean ask. This is a clean ask. I love it. So, so and, and we're all doing it. And the beauty of it is the unity of us together doing it. That's the special thing. And you watch, if we... Whatever you give, and I, can I skip to the last slide, which is the widow's mite? So she's, um, which one is it? I've lost, I'm out of my notes. Where is it? It's Mark 12. Mark 12. Let's look at that. I love this because here she is. Jesus is watching this happen. So you might be thinking, pal, I'm busted this month. All right? You can still give something. And then somehow something supernatural is going to happen. You're going to see that as we all are united in giving, even if you give fourpence halfpenny, right? I'm just joking. Please don't give fourpence halfpenny, right? Something supernatural is going to happen. So check this out. As he sat down, as Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched, so he's watching. And he's watching your heart, not your purse or your wallet. He's checking your heart. So you might be thinking, mate, I can't come with you on this one today. But he's watching your heart. He was looking for faith. He's not looking for law. He's not looking at you must. He's just looking for, do you trust me with your finances? Do you believe I'm able to look after you? Just like Paul said, if you sow bountifully, I'll, give, I'll pay you back. You might have to sweat it a bit sometimes. I'll, I'll look after you. you don't, you're not going to commit financial suicide. So he's watching people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. He wasn't particularly impressed with that. Don't you love Jesus? 
And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. I wonder why, let's think about that poor widow for a moment. I'm nearly done. And then we're going to just be before God. I think that poor widow put in what she got because she knew Isaiah, is it chapter 54? The Lord, your maker, is your husband. And he will look after me. And she was so free, she knew that somehow God would feed her. She put in her last copper coins. She was trusting that God would put bread on her table tomorrow. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that's definition of freedom. You've got the lot. Isn't that amazing? You've got the lot. (laughs) Don't you want to be living like that? I do. Uh, You know, we're... Okay, I'll shut up. I'm going to stop now. I've got so many other slides, but I just, I just want to say to you, in the words of Mrs. Doubtfire, the Hebridean River, Revival, I was privileged to be there. Mrs. Margaret MacLeod saw revival. She saw revival and the wonder of God's grace. Go on, I'm going to end on two pictures. Uh, who, oh, it's Simon. On Okay, give me a picture of Birdsfoot Trefoil. And this is now, Gillian laughs at me for this. Now, that is a huge picture of a tiny flower, all right? Now, that is called birdsfoot trefoil. You're going to get a language lesson now. You know, you know me. Trefoil comes from the French trois feuilles, which means three leaves. This tiny yellow plant is about that big. You tread underfoot on the South Downs from May to October. It will come very soon. It's carpeting the South Downs. It's my favourite flower. And every time I see birdsfoot trefoil, it breaks my heart with the tiny, beautiful, God-given, unnecessary, superfluous gift of flowers. And I love that little flower, and I pick a little flower. <laughs> it's tiny. But they're everywhere. Birdsfoot's because of the three petals. Birdsfoot. It's a thing of wonder to me. Call me Mr. Simple, but I love that flower. Okay, let's go from the mini to the macro. Last picture. That is the Horsehead Nebula in Orion. I've been checking out the constellation of Orion these last few days. We've been having some clear skies, haven't we? And uh, that is below the three stars in Orion's belt. And it is the most beautiful picture. It's almost, I kind of imagine... Is that the horse that Jesus is going to ride as faithful and true when he comes back in glory? Ooh. In the words of our own inimitable Andrew Wilson, he's got something to say on that. He says this, Go look for Orion's belt. This is the book Incomparable. Uh, (laughs) Under the right-hand end of the belt, there is a stunning purple shape that looks like a seahorse or a horse. It's called the Horsehead Nebula which only telescopes can see. This is truly baffling to me because no one except God even knew it was there until 1888. If I'd made something even a fraction as beautiful, I would have made sure everybody knew about it. This nebula is 1,600 light years away. So the light you can see tonight travelling at 5.88 trillion miles per year left it when the Roman Empire was coming to an end. To get from one side of it to the other at the speed of light would take three and a half years. That's just one of millions of these beautiful things in creation. This is the God that we worship. Is is not God high in the heavens? See the highest stars, how lofty they are. 
oh, we've got wonder today. We're going to see something wonderful happen over these gift days. I believe it with all my heart. But catch the heart of this. It's generosity because he loves us so much. Once I know your love for me, I'm busted. I'm ruined for anything other than your kingdom. For the king and the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. All right, great.